This podcast was made possible by Thrive AP, a transition to practice solution for PAs, NPs, and the facilities that employ them. Thrive AP's educational curriculums accelerate skill application of advanced practice providers, improving outcomes, retention, and career satisfaction. Thank you to Thrive AP for partnering with our show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to White Coats of the Round Table. My name is Mike Gazbeck, and I'm here, as always, with John McDonald. We are, What's up? Hi, John. We What's are up? a healthcare podcast that discusses career development, non-clinical career paths, and how to combat burnout. John, how are you? Uh, I, said, I think I said the last time we recorded in the morning, because this is a normal thing for us. I am st- still technically waking up. I haven't had all my coffee like you did yet, though. I think every podcast that we record now will have an obligatory comment from John, because as we can see, John is not the morning person. John, I appreciate you doing these early mornings because I am the morning person. I've actually been up since five. I I got up nice and early (laughs) to get work done. So I'm halfway through my morning, but I appreciate you soldiering on so that we could get this done early. Uh, Anything, anything for the podcast and you, Mike. Aw. So today we're doing an off script, and for people that may be new, as we continue to gain new listeners, we have a couple different formats for the show, and we like to do what we call off script episodes that are unedited, more relaxed, more of a hangout, and the idea behind that is with off script, we take one discussion question and then just kind of play with it and see what our thoughts are. Hopefully, John and I end up on different sides of it, and it can actually elicit good discussion. But John, what do you want to talk about today for our off script episode? I think it's an interesting topic, especially because of the movement that people are seeing to different healthcare spaces. Uh, We're going to talk today about whether you should be looking for a job while you're still employed or not. Should you be actively searching for a new career position, uh, whether you're employed fully or not, Mike? What do you think? What's your first? What's your gut reaction to this. So just to give some background, I I proposed this topic and the reason for it, I want to give a shout out to my brother. My brother is a huge proponent that no matter how happy you are in your current role, you should always be looking, always be searching for a new job. And the idea behind it is even if you're happy in your new role, A, you may never know what you miss and that dream job may be out there and you may miss that opportunity if you're not actively looking. And B, continually applying, looking at what's out there allows you to make sure that at your current role, you're, you know, compensated appropriately, you're at market value. And I think there is a lot of validity to this because there's research that shows that to maximize career earnings, ideally, you want to be moving from job to job every couple of years. And I think in other industries, that's accepted. But in healthcare, it gets a little bit dicey because healthcare is still a field where being in a job for a longer period of time probably lends to more expertise in your clinical role. So from a clinical perspective, if I was interviewing a candidate and every two years they were switching jobs or switching specialties, if they're you know a PA or an NP, that would be a major red flag. So that would not be something that I would look at as an asset or a positive. And also from that perspective, I think someone that's switching jobs every two years in healthcare may not be maximizing their earnings because if you're going to a new job, presumably you're, you know, as a provider that's able to generate income through um, billing, I'm going to become more efficient in my billing as I establish my patient cases, as I have, you know, more familiarity with the system that I'm working in. So my value for the organization is going to grow with time. 
as opposed to, you know, being a new hire somewhere else where you may not necessarily be as valuable. But what are your thoughts on it? I have a disclaimer. Because uh, when you first brought this topic up, my my concern for this topic is a lot of people listening to this uh, will may think that we shouldn't be discussing something like this uh, because we're both fully employed. And what do you do in this situation? So I I will I'm going to come at this from a different angle. I think that anybody who is in career coaching or uh, having a normal coffee shop conversation is going to say, yes, you're going, you should be looking, you should see what's out there. You shouldn't say siloed. Um, and anybody who is fully employed and worried about their employer catching up uh, to this conversation would say, if you're happy where you're at, just, you know, status quo, baby. So I, I would actually say that it would behoove anybody to look into the market, even if it was just for what you had said, to see what your market value is. But we talk about siloing in healthcare all the time, Mike. So um, we should not stay in that same thought pattern. Uh, We shouldn't stay in a position where we're not challenged. Uh, We shouldn't stay in a position uh, where you feel like you can just coast the rest of your life. Now, we know there's those people who they're okay just being where they are. They feel like I'm a worker bee and I'm okay being a worker bee. Uh, but for those who are looking elsewhere, I think it would be wise for us to check out the marketplace, see what's fun out there, see what's exciting, see what is thrilling to you. Because my personal belief is that if you're not excited about your work, passionate, thrilled in some sort of way, uh, you're not going to be doing your best work. So I think we should be looking. Mm. So that's a whole another conversation for a different day of whether we have to have passion in our jobs, because I think that's an interesting one. And that's anyways, I don't want to get distracted, but let's stay on the topic at hand. I think it's interesting because do you ever go on Zillow? Are you are you one of those people that goes to Zillow and just, you know, looks it's at house so porn? funny that you say that I was just thinking about this two days ago. I was like, you know, I, was, I, yeah. I should see what's out there again. I'm not normally one of yep. those people. Okay. okay, I am. So I am not actively hunting for a home. And yet I love going on Zillow just because I'm always intrigued of what's on the market, what's there, not only in my own town, but you know, I have saved searches for, you know, mountain log homes in, in various areas. And I always just like watching and looking. And maybe eventually that does lead to, oh my gosh, this home is perfect, you know, and we move. But at the same time, it's more just intrigue or more seeing what's out there. It also is fun to see where our house would line up on the market as, you know, housing prices have exploded. And I think it's a very similar thing here where you can kind of be Zillow curious, where you're on Zillow, not because you're actively house hunting, but rather you're just kind of keeping a a finger on the pulse of the housing market, not only to gauge where your house is in terms of value, but then also what's out there. If there's anything that is just such a good deal, you can't Mm -hmm. pass up. I think it's similar here where the, the cost of, you know, having maybe search parameters set up on indeed.com or on LinkedIn to just say, okay, anytime from my perspective, anytime a psychiatric PA job comes that has this salary parameter or this requirement, I get an alert. I don't think there's a whole lot of commitment or effort that goes into that. But I think if you take it more extreme, if you are constantly job hunting 
and constantly putting in CVs, putting in cover letters. We talked in the last few episodes of how much intentionality and individualism or, or individualism, ugh, I can't talk, how much we need to speci- specify a cover letter to a specific job. Now we're talking about a whole lot of time. We're talking about a really significant commitment of effort if we're just constantly in that stage of looking for jobs. And I think that can get exhausting. That can get demoralizing if you're applying for jobs all the time and not getting them. And that might have, you know, maybe more harm than Mm. benefit. Okay. So I agree agree with my brother, the assertion that you should always be looking, but I don't know where the line is. Okay. For me, I I don't put in, you know, resumes or CVs for clinical roles. And that's in part because I'm very satisfied with my clinical role. But I, and I don't even look, so maybe I should be, but it's not something I want to invest my most limited resource, which is my time. So you brought up a point that intrigues me and I'm going to call it passive and active seeking. So when we're actively seeking for a job, uh, that might be due to the the satisfaction. It might be due to a new certification that opens up new opportunities, name the idea why you might be actively looking for a job, but passively looking for a job might just be the alerts that you're talking about. And I think this is a great delineation because when I, when we first brought up this conversation, I initially imagined somebody actively pursuing, trying, you know, pushing the network, sending out emails, text messages. Uh, But when you put it into the perspective of the Zillow or the LinkedIn alerts, I, I think that's, wise for anybody uh, putting in an interest in LinkedIn and signing up for that alert. Maybe it's consulting because you don't know what consulting necessarily means for you. You put that consulting alert in and you constantly are getting these emails mentioning what's out there. You can see the vast breadth of what consulting could be. So you can look at it almost like research. But when we're looking at passive uh, opportunities, it might just be wise, Mike. I think that's a good point. There's a little bit of wisdom in just keeping your eyes open and not staying closed just for the fact that you have a good relationship with your employer and you don't want it you don't want it to seem like you're in a marriage and on ashleymadison.com. I think that's where the delineation is. You don't want to get caught with on a Tinder so, profile. I love I love that comparison though, because I think I don't like how we often frame a relationship with employer and employee. And I don't know if if your company does this or if other companies that you've worked for in the past, we don't have to get specific. But one of my big pet peeves is when an employer does the whole, we're family, we care about you. Because I'm very much, and maybe I'm too much of a cynic, but I'm very much of the belief, you know, if you die, your employer is going to post your job the very next day. So the way that I view my job is it's a business transaction. My, my, my employer is paying me what they believe to be the lowest amount that they can pay me to retain me, but also that replacing me would be more expensive to them. And on my end, I'm, you know, maximizing my compensation because I believe that if I were to go somewhere else, I wouldn't match the same level of compensation or my work-life balance would be different. You know, upward mobility would be different. So, my view on on an employer employee relationship is very cold it's not relational at all it's it's a business transaction and i think for me that's very helpful 
because then, you know, in, in the past, in, in years, I've been at the same job for 11 years. So I say this, but I have a very good relationship with my job. But in the past, I think that's made it easier to then, you know, go to them and say, okay, we need to renegotiate my contract or this isn't working for me. We need to make a change because I don't have as much of that. Oh my goodness, I'm going to hurt their feelings or, well, you know, the, when they, you know, if, some, if an employer says, oh, but we really value you and there's so much, you know, opportunity and exposure. Okay, well, you know, opportunity and exposure is great, but eventually it has to, re- you know, lead to compensation or, you know, tangible benefits because this isn't a charity. I'm here to pay the mortgage. I'm here to earn a living and, and maximize my compensation in my career. So I agree with you. It, there is some hesitation where if you're happy in your current role, you don't want to necessarily drive discontentment. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be the thing. You know, if you're married and you're on Ashley <laughs> Madison, presumably what that's going to do is it's going to lead to you maybe having a feeling that the grass is always greener and maybe becoming more disillusioned in your marriage, thinking that your marriage is not good. So even though I don't think that we owe our employers anything in terms of loyalty that way, that if we are you know looking for a new job, it's not a betrayal of our employer as it would be you know in a marriage if you were on Ashley Madison. But I think there is a concern that if you're constantly looking, you're constantly trying to find a better opportunity, that that may actually contribute to you feeling more dissatisfied with your current mm. role. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you're right. I think it's uh, you buy a new car and you keep on going to the car shop every week, driving by and seeing what's there. You, you buy anything and you keep going to the same place and seeing what right. you missed out on. It's that FOMO. So true. Uh, so if you're exactly. seeking for if you're if you're one to be caught up in FOMO, this is might be an issue for you, for, a driver for dissatisfaction, as you put it so clearly put it. Um, so, good job shifting to cars. That's probably a better uh, analogy well, than infidelity, which is obviously such a serious, you know, grave well, people, issue. I think uh, the biggest concern here is if their employer finds out finds out that they're actively looking, that they're going to somehow get fired, right? Isn't that the biggest concern mm-hmm. here? So let's be honest, though. I mean, especially in healthcare, where I think most people that are healthcare professionals, there's a lot of demand for right. your services. If you're working for an employer and your employer finds out that you have applied to other jobs or that you're at least looking and they fire you, is that really an employer where you want to be? <laughs> I wouldn't. Now, granted, that's a privileged right. position, you know, because, you know, I, it, I can say that. A, because I have a really great relationship with my current employer, but B, because if I were to leave this job, I could probably find work relatively quickly. Not everyone is able to do that, I recognize. But at the same time, it's almost like if someone matches you, if you threaten to leave and you have a competing offer and then your employer matches that offer to retain you, the the data demonstrate that the likelihood that you leave within a year or two is something Mm -hmm. like 80%. So there's there's more and more research out there that employers shouldn't try to counter offer because the same issues that led to that employee wanting to leave are not going to change. Yeah. They're not going to go away. So you shouldn't counter. And it's the same type of thing here. If your employer is so possessive that just finding out that you're looking at other options is a problem for them, that's probably not someplace that you want to be working long term. Mm, there's that that saying that comes up. In the back of my head, it came up while you were talking. It says, um, people don't leave bad jobs. They leave bad bosses, mm, right? So like if we put that into consideration, if you're planning or thinking about leaving and 
it's not because of money, uh, you probably should just leave and not look for a counter offer as well. Yeah. Right. I, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Those, those same fundamental issues that led to you being dissatisfied with that job are probably still right. going to be there. And maybe extra money smooths it over. Maybe it buys you some more time. I'm a big believer that money does drive a lot of that. You know, If my compensation is high enough, I can put up with a lot of crap. But at the same time, you're right. I think eventually you're going to still have those same issues that will lead to you leaving. Hmm. So to kind of wrap it up, the initial question was, should we, should we be looking for jobs when you're in a maybe even a potentially very secure position? Uh, and I'm going to end on saying I think it's wise to at least passively look to see the opportunities that are available or to at, at the very least see what's out there so that when something does come up where you're saying – I think I should start looking for different opportunities. You already have a good idea of, you already have a store of information uh, of what's out there and what's possible uh, for what you might see as a good career life. Uh, Mike, where have you landed then? I agree. I think the takeaway from today, from our conversation would be that passively looking at job opportunities, the Zillow Mm -hmm. approach, having alerts set up on various job sites is not a bad idea. It allows you to keep your finger on the pulse of the market. It allows you to make sure that your compensation is still remaining competitive. But active job hunting, sending in CVs and resumes, interviewing, having to put in all the work and effort that comes with actively seeking a new job may come with additional costs that may outweigh the benefits. So everybody's going to be different. Every situation is going to be different. And a big part of that may be the level of satisfaction you have with your current role. But the key takeaway, I think, for both of us is it's never a bad idea to just continue to passively look just to make sure you're aware of what's Very out there. Very good. I like I like where we landed, Mike. Awesome. So I know we're going to cut it a little bit short today. Uh, we have a hard exit because of some scheduling stuff, but that's okay because the off script, I think, maybe lends to a shorter, more brief conversation. But John, in our final minutes, did you want to hit on some personal items just to wrap today, us up? Today, I'm actually going on a field trip with my son. I've... Uh, I feel like I know so many fathers, I feel like are in the unenviable or enviable position of not being able to go to field trips as often for whatever so reason true. that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm taking the opportunity to go on the Erie Canal. I'm going on one of those uh, ferry boat things. So I've, I've done it once maybe when I was a kid. So fun. It'll, it'll, I think that yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. See if I get sunburn or not. <laughs> it's a good yeah. weather day for it too. So that's awesome. I, as always, I'm going to riff off of yours because I love doing that. Maybe I'm just not a creative or imaginative person, but next week, I think it is not this week. Next week, I'm cutting out of work early next Friday for a Father's Day party, I guess, at my son's pre-K. And the funny thing about it, so it's called Dads and Dogs and it's a, you know, a lunchtime type of thing. So I took a half day from work and I'm all excited to go. My four, my five-year-old now is all excited for me to go. And I was talking to my wife the other day about it. And I said, yep, I blocked off my time at work. I'm ready to go, but I am not bringing Frank, who's our dog. And she just looked at me like puzzled. And she's like, why would you bring Frank? And I said, well, it's dads and dogs. She goes, hot dogs. It's a cookout. So good thing I said something because there was a strong possibility I was going to show up to my kid's Catholic school with our dog in tow and then be the only person there with a pet. 
So thankfully, I've now realized that this means it's a hot dog cookout, not a bring your pet Father's For Day celebration. For how logical you are, yeah. Mike, this gives me so much joy, I have to say. Gives you some red flags, some no, concerns. No, makes yes. me happy inside. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. But yeah, so I, I similarly, I, I consider myself blessed, especially in healthcare where, you know, a lot of people have jobs where they have to work nights, they have to work weekends, and they, they end up having to make an immense amount of sacrifice in their personal life because of their career. So I'm really blessed and always appreciative that I have the flexibility in my outpatient role to be able to cut out of work a couple hours early and go cook hot dogs with my five-year-old. All right, John, will you enjoy the field trip? I think next week, maybe for the personal item, we'll have to get an update on how the Erie Canal fared and whether you did get a sunburn. But until next week, this is White Coats of the Round Table. I'm Mike and John this, with John. If you like us, give us a follow. Give us a review. If you don't like what you hear, don't <laughs> review us. Until next week, have a great one, everyone. <laughs>